0: Good evening, everyone. I'd like to re- welcome you all to my fifth episode of the Real Talk podcast. In today's episode, we'll be discussing a lot regarding Washington football team. That is a lot of season and review segments, their new GM and assistant GM hirings, what this brings to the team, what can we look forward to in the future. As Real Madrid topics, we're going to be talking a lot about Zinedine Zidane's coaching and managing decisions regarding the team, what the future holds for a lot of players, what the future hold could entail for Zinedine Zidane if the when the season comes to a close in the summer. So buckle up, this is going to be a fun and fun and informative episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. So I'm going to kick off this episode with um Washington season review segments and um before I, you know, if you guys listened to my previous episode where I stated about the season review episode or um clips or videos if you're watching this on YouTube, like I said, I'm going to keep on advertising it um I'm on YouTube and different podcast platforms, so wherever you listen to me, you can check me out either on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any any podcast platforms you want, and I'm also on YouTube. So check out my YouTube channel and if you're interested in my YouTube channel, I do a lot more content there as well. Um so, you know, check me out Oscar Hosway Montiel on my YouTube channel. Help me out get get me my subs i um, looking to grow my channel this year. Uh, last year, I ended the year with 28 subscribers and 100 and something videos. So um, help me out there. Um, my goal this year, sorry if I n- didn't mention it, is maybe get 45 to 50 subscribers by the end of 2021. So help me out if you guys are new um, to my podcast or YouTube channel. So I would greatly appreciate it if you guys subbed me up there. Anyways, um, so I said I was gonna do season reviews, and I said that those were gonna be YouTube standalone um, clips or videos. But I decided, you know, um, I need to get, you know, I'm falling behind in in certain things on my channel, so uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and do a lot of the season and review episodes here on Anchor as well. Um, it's gonna be full on episodes, like I said. My f- okay, so all right, so I decided that Anchor is where I'm going to post a lot of or I'm going to put a lot of clips together and make one big episode, okay? So that is what my Anchor Pat podcast platform is for. If you guys want to watch the clips individually, check me out on YouTube. Those will be on YouTube. So um just a heads up, if you're saying, "Well, I see the different clips here on YouTube, but I want to hear the entire thing. Where can I go? There you go. On my, on podcast platforms. Check me out. It's the Real Talk Podcast. Anyways, so I stated last week in my podcast episode that I was only going to do season review episodes or clips on YouTube. However, like I said, I'm just going to go ahead and do them all in one big swoop here on when I do my Real Talk Podcast uh clips and episodes so um, you guys will get it either way um, just because I don't want to exclude anyone or anything from my content. so let's uh, get into the season and review episodes or clips. I already um, so I already talked about the coaching in a clip that I'm gonna you know link here. So the coaching clip will come in the in the clip that comes after this. So I'm gonna be talking about the coaching next. All right. Um, just ex just ignore the beginning of that episode because I think I said certain things on the anchor about the anchor episode. But um, if not, just just go ahead and and skip. But I do also do where I also you know I spoke about the coaching. I broke down each um of the coaches of Washington how they did you know from Ron Rivera the head coach to the offensive coordinator defensive coordinator and special teams coordinator so those are the coaches that I cover in the clip so I hope you guys enjoy that clip okay peace so after discussing the coaching I want to go ahead and break down the quarterback play for Washington this year um so I'm also going to include Taylor Heineke for the sole reason that he actually showed up and played extremely well um, during the playoffs, during the playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, the quarterbacks that played for Washington this year are Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, and um, Taylor Heineke. So... Let's break each of the, let's do the season review for the quarterbacks. Um, and of course, in this episode, or maybe in, in future episodes, I haven't decided yet. I, like I said, I'm kind of behind in, in certain clips and episodes, so um, I haven't decided if this will be something different. I Maybe, de- you know what? Let me focus on the season review episode. Um, season and review, all Washington talk this week will be season and review okay next week season and review and also talking about general manager hirings because there was a lot of general manager hiring uh that went around today so i'm going to be breaking down general manager hirings and then next week i'm going to be discussing what the quarterback play could look like you know what can other positions look like next week so all this week for Washington talk will be general manager hiring season and review videos. So let's let's go ahead and do this. So quarterback play. Alright. So let's let's go with the first quarterback, the, the starting quarterback that was starting at the beginning of the year. Dwayne Haskins. Alright. So Dwayne Haskins, um, you know, through training camp, you know, he showed out that he was better than Alex Smith, better than Kyle Allen. He gets the nod, It gets the starting job. And, you know, after the week one, you know, the, the incredible comeback that, you know, the defense helped out went, helped out in, he was able to lead the team to a comeback and beat the Philadelphia Eagles 27-17, 20, okay? So, you know, it looked positive, it did, but then, you know, Dwayne Haskins regressed back into his early rookie year where he just was complete and utter garbage. Um, You know, having turnovers, he wasn't directly, you know... Like I I stated in the coaching video, a lot of coaching decisions with, you know, the way that, you know, play calling also affected Dwayne Haskins. I'm not going to, you know, fault Dwayne Haskins for the Cardinals game because I don't think he had key turnovers in that game. However... He did have key turnovers in the Browns game, and that's what ended up costing Washington another game. Because that easily, if it was Alex Smith or Kyle Allen, that game, because it wasn't, that game never got away from Washington. Okay, you know, Washington and the the Browns, you know, it was close for what it was. You know, if if Dwayne Haskins didn't turn the football over like he did those three in, in those games. Uh, in that game three times you know it would have been a close game because the Browns weren't really doing anything on offense either so you know um, that's where you know Dwayne, Has- D- um, Dwayne Haskins downfall began and of course the Ravens game he was you know he had somewhat of a bounce back but then you know his immaturity got in the way got benched and then you know, sat behind Kyle Allen and Alex Smith, who I will br- definitely break down here in a few minutes. But I'm going to, you know, finish about talking about Dwayne Haskins first. So that way I can move on to Kyle Allen and um, and Alex Smith. Um. So, you know, he gets benched, falls behind those guys, right? So then, like, towards the end of the season, you know, because of quarterback injuries to Kyle Allen and um, Alex Smith... He gets a redeeming quality. He gets a redemption story. He gets the chance to redeem himself in a big spot. You know, Alex Smith goes down early in the 49ers game. Um, But um, good. the good thing was is that the defense were able to pull off the win there. So he really didn't, he didn't play good, but he didn't play great either. So, you know, he didn't do anything in that 49ers game. So let's scratch that out as a game. But then the Seahawks game is where things, you know, again, just spiral. Has a few interceptions, granted, uh, you know, staring down. That was the biggest thing about Dwayne Haskins this year, was that he kept on staring down one guy. And when you stare at a guy, the defense already knows where you're going with the football. So, you know, he, you know, those turnovers cost, a lot, and like I said, the coaching calls and and of course Dustin Hopkins will be you know were responsible for also losing that game. Dwayne Haskins played okay, but like I said, you know those turnovers were you know something that he needed to fix. Um. So then after that loss, he decides to go to a strip club. and party it up, without a mask, so, he hangs out with strippers, you know, and then, like, the the leaked photos, and then he says, oh, I apologize, you know, blah, 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 I'm sorry, this isn't me, man, whatever, because here's the thing, you know, you're a you know, words, okay, look, I'm gonna tell you guys a secret about me If you guys haven't You you guys don't don't know me And if you guys want to know more about me Please check me out on my other channel No Nonsense Where, where I do it with another Where I talk with another co-host Of my good friends of mine Naeem Um Abulahawa So Um Check me out there as well Cause we do a, a lot of fun Um Podcast episodes And sometimes we, You know We we discuss our personal lives on there So Check me out there Um but if you guys don't know anything about me, I'm the type of guy who instead of, because here's the thing, I learned early on that you can, you know, you can talk big, but you need to back it up at all times. Because if you talk, you know, you don't prove that you have what it, if you can't walk the walk, if you can talk the talk, but can't walk the walk, then who are you and what are you? what will you accomplish in life so i'm the type to just stay quiet in my corner it's very different right you know you, you guys know me as a, as a as a as a talker as you know i'm talking to you guys either on you know and on this podcast but i'm the type that likes to show people my skills i don't like to sit here and brag about myself i don't i'm not that type i'm not I'm the type to sit down. If people say you can't do this, you can't do that, then I'm like, okay, okay. You you can say whatever you want. In fact, you know I may or may not agree with you. Know I, I may or may not agree with you. Just sit and watch me at work, okay? And once I get my job done, once I get what I need to get done, I end up wowing people, and here's why: because they're like, wow. You did that, yes, I did it. And we didn't know that you were capable of this, and I'm like, well, see that, that's what you get for judging. That's what you get for misjudging me. So why do i what why do I talk about this? It's because Dwayne Haskins, you know, you talked the talk, but you couldn't walk the walk. You said one thing. But the actions that you did the following week with the Carolina Panthers game showed something else. It showed that you were willing to throw the Washington football team's future with you. You were like, you know what, I'm probably going to get fired anyway. So you know what, I'm just going to make sure that this team, I'm going to take this team down with me. So you know what, you know he decides to throw interceptions, fumbles, what have you and then you know he gets benched for taylor haneke who i'm gonna talk about later in this segment as well so um you know he gets benched for taylor haneke and then the week later he gets released i'm also going to be talking about um Dwayne haskins destinations after you know this clip i actually thought about it now Dwayne haskins did find a new home i'm going to be talking about my reactions to that here after this clip before i talk more about season and review videos so I guess I thank myself for reminding myself. Um, so that was Dwayne Haskins' experience. You know, he goes from being the day one starter to being benched after bragging about having a 300-yard game and turning over the football to getting demoted to third string to somehow getting back on the field after quarterback injuries to stinking it up, you know, parting with strippers, not backing up his words almost tanking the game against the Panthers getting released so you know that was Dwayne Haskins next up Kyle Allen and unfortunately you know because as a guy who doesn't like to see people get hurt you know I've I've had close um close friends in you know in high school where um they would get banged up and you know they would get banged up and i would see them through their road of recovery and when they would you know and when and you know i'm going to tell you guys another personal story okay um my sophomore year uh i was very i was close friends with um the senior and she was a part of the lacrosse team now um a year prior I think it was her junior, maybe her sophomore, junior year, she tore her ACL. Where a lot of doctors said that she could never potentially play for another year and a half. Imagine that. That, you know, and lacrosse was her life at the time. You know, she played... Hard for the lacrosse team. And, um... You know, I would... You know, I heard stories of her... You know, when she heard that, you know... She was going to be, you know... out Out of the sport for a year and a half. Somehow, I guess she used that for motivation. And... She, um... You know... She worked her butt off to get back into rehab. Okay? So... She actually made a recovery within three to six months and was cleared to play within the seven or eight months. And then unfortunately, you know, we in, in Virginia, you know how if you guys live here in Virginia, if you guys are any listeners of Virginia, or the United States and, and live in Virginia, you know how this crazy weather is. So, you know, ice falls and, she, you know, we need to go to school she slips on the ice and almost tears her ACL right on the spot as well. You know, thank goodness that nothing. You know, ser- you know, she just you know banged her knee, but she was this close to tearing her ACL yet again, and she, you know, came came into school crying, and you know, she was you know all her you know blood, sweat, and tears you know went out the window. So the why do I say this? It's because I know how how injuries suck. Now with Kyle Allen, in his case, you know. The Giants game, or the first Giants game, you know he played pretty trash. Um, he lost the fumble, had an interception in that game. You know, play, you know, really, if it wasn't for the 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 calling of, if it wasn't for Dustin Hopkins also missing field goals and extra points, like I said in in those pre, in those pre videos as well, in those videos, go check those videos out. Um, you know certain things may or may or not happen but Kyle allen just didn't play great in the giants game however he turned it around in the cowboys game you know he played you know decent to to good in, in the cowboys game so um got got them got washington a 25 to 3 win and then you know the giants game comes along and he's playing okay but gets hurt in the second quarter um of that game. And Alex Smith needs to step up. So Carl Allen Um doesn't get his you know, only plays what two games and a half, I guess. Two games yeah, two games and a half. And only won one of those games. So we're gonna have to, you know, I'm not gonna I can't, you know, grade him altogether, but um, because he only played two games and a half but you know he I don't know where Washington would have been if he would have finished the season I really don't because with Alex Smith we ended up finishing you know Washington ended up finishing five and one and let's talk about Alex Smith oh boy Alex Smith had one of the most up and down comeback player of the years that I've ever seen you know Um, So, I was talking about the uh, Dwayne Haskins, right? So, Dwayne Haskins gets demoted after the Ravens game to third string. So, Kyle Allen and Alex Smith are the two quarterbacks that are active for the Rams game. And Alex and um, Kyle Allen gets, you know, a concussion or was in the concussion protocol after, you know, suffering a big, a bad hit late in the second quarter. And Alex Smith has to, you know, take the field. I got goosebumps watching that. I did. You because know, I never thought that that would have actually happened after that gruesome leg injury. So Alex Smith, you know, comeback player of the year. And after um, Kyle Allen, um, you know, he showed rust. He was rusty during that Rams game. And it also showed that he was kind of rusty in the Giants game because in or the second Giants game because in that second Giants game he throws 3 picks 3 interceptions and that was tough throwing 3 interceptions so um and those 3 turnovers you know also cost Washington Also, falling behind, because he was a checkdown guy. His checkdowns do not work when you're behind. Washington fell behind against Detroit. And Alex Smith, again, you know, makes a comeback. And unfortunately, because of Chase Young's... um, uh, That penalty that Chase Young, you know, had at the end of the game gave Detroit a a good field goal shot. But, um, you know... Alex Smith wasn't built for comebacks. What happened after the Lions game? Um, he's able to pull off a win against Cincinnati, pull off a win against Dallas, in Dallas, being a check down guy, because I think Alex Smith only had like, what, 120 yards passing or something like that? It was something like that. or hundred It was like 130, between 120, 150 yards passing or something like that. Um... Anyways, you know, Lee you know, check down against Dallas wins there. Check down in Pittsburgh has an upset of the year because of the de- you know the defense came out to play that game. Um played okay until his calf injury in the 49ers game. He had key turnovers in that game That um you know, you, that you could tell that that calf was just bothering him. And then he tries to come back in the um, Eagles game. Was just very off. He was terrible in the final game of the year. And if it wasn't for the Eagles trying to tank that game to get into better draft position, I think the Eagles could have won that game easily. Um, so, you know, you know, he... In all, in all fairness, he gets Washington, you know, Washington was 5-1 and one with Alex Smith as a starter. But his checkdowns and the injuries, you know, the turnovers and the Washington football team, like I said, the play calling also had, had a lot to do with it. You know, him trying to come back, um, from behind, up most in in some games, you know, really cost Washington. You know, it could have, you know, Washington was six and three back in 2018. So he, I guess, you know, um, you know, it is what it is because we had, you know, a decent running game, but Antonio Gibson in the final few games of the season, you know, wasn't wasn't himself. Um. He, you know, suffered turf toe, so we really didn't have a good running game either, so we had to rely a lot on the pass game, but with Alex Smith hurt, and, you know, us relying on Dwayne Haskins, you know, and I already spoke about him, um, you know, Washington ends up 7-9, and nine. so that was Alex Smith, um, he actually should be comeback player of the year, just because of the fact that, you know, he came back from that gruesome leg injury and was able to get to, he actually got Washington to a 5-1 and record when he was the starting quarterback. He played ugly, the offense was ugly, but the defense, you know, compensated for it. So, you know, that is Alex Smith in review. Um, and finally, Taylor Heineke. And you're going to say, why are you reviewing him? He only had one game, but one game in a quarter and a half. Why? Because that playoff game, in itself, was phenomenal, was phenomenal. Um You know, he did something that I don't even know a healthy Alex Smith could have done. I don't know. You know, he was able to make his passes. The one interception that he threw wasn't his fault. So, I'll negate that that argument there. But, he managed that offense perfectly. And I wouldn't be... I don't... Okay, look. I'm going to stop the hype. A lot of you know YouTubers and fans are going to say, Oh my gosh, Taylor Haneke, he, he should be Washington starter. No. No, no, no. Cool your jets. Cool your jets. Hold your horses, okay? Okay? No. Washington needs... A quarter uh uh needs to find their either their quarterback in the future in this year's draft and I'll again like I said I'm gonna do separate segments and videos on that later, um of quarterback of the future or, you know, a a new bridge quarterback. Because Alex Smith, obviously, he's even though they're saying that he's not going to, he should retire. He should retire where the where the going is good for it. Because like I said, he came back from the leg injury, but he played Garbage when he got hurt again this year. So, I think he should just wrap it up. Anyways, Taylor Heineke that that game in itself proved that he could maybe be a serviceable backup in the NFL. He's an off the bench type of quarterback. He is. I don't think he's going to be good enough to lead a team for a sixteen game season. I don't think so. But I think he's going to be a good back. He could be a good backup. Um, and, you know, he played great in the, in the playoff game. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, he gave up a sack at the end of the game that got him into fourth and long, but, you know, other than that, you know, he played good. He played well, you know, he was outstanding in that game. So let's, let's grade the quarterbacks now that, that I broke down each of them and how they, they, they fared this year. Dwayne Haskins gets a D plus because of his immaturity. His immaturity, you know what? No, gets a D minus because of his immaturity. Um, his you know the immaturity, you know, played a huge factor. Yes, aside from the Eagles game, played terrible. Aside from the Eagles game, he played terrible. He played terrible to to okay, but that's not enough. He gets a D-minus. Kyle Allen, I don't feel like it would be fair to grade him just because he only played two games and a half. But I think um, with the way that he managed that, that Cowboys game or he played that Cowboys game, I'm going to give him a C-minus C, C, I'm going to give him a C, I'm going to give him a C, um, Alex Smith, another C, just because, look, I, know, I understand that he Washington was 5-1 with him, but he just, when he got hurt because of that calf injury, it showed that he struggled, it showed. You know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a C. Now Taylor Heineke, I give him a B plus. I give him a B plus because he that game he played solid, and unfortunately, um in that Panthers game, Washington was behind so much. I think if Taylor Heineke would have started that second half instead of starting like midway through the fourth quarter when it was just when it was garbage time. I think Taylor Haneke would have been able to take what come have Washington come from behind and win. And Washington would have won the division the week week sixteen instead of winning it week seventeen. But he gets a B plus because of that. Cause he he managed the he played, like I said, outstandingly in that game against Tampa Bay, against Tom Brady. He went toe to toe with Tom Brady. It was the defense that, you know, didn't, you know, step up in that Tampa Bay Buccaneer game. But Taylor Haneke gets a B plus for that reason. So um that is my quarterback season in review video. I know it was longer than usual, but I needed to break down each of the quarterbacks play um throughout the season. So um I hope that you guys watch this clip. If you know, if you guys enjoy this clip, let me know. You know, like, subscribe, share, and I will see you guys here in the next few minutes to talk about the running backs. So the next position that I'm going to be giving my grades on would be the running back group and um let's break down who was you know the the running back core for the for training camp how they cut out certain running backs and what the running backs did the the running the main running or the how what running backs made the cut and how they did this throughout the season so Let's break it down. Um, so we had Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis, Bryce Love, Peyton Barber, Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick. And um, a few weeks um, you know, into training camp, actually, um, maybe even a few days, I think it was either a few days or a few weeks within training camp, it was reported that Darius Geis had a, dom- had a domestic dispute report. So Washington released them. And we were down to you know five running backs from there. So after that, I thought that the running back crew that would make the team would be Adrian Peterson, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and Bryce Love. I thought that, I thought that Peyton Barber would be the on-man out. However, Ron Rivera decided to go young with a young crew. He wanted to rebuild this team from from you know veteran more veteran presence to a more younger, talented presence. So he cuts Adrian Peterson a few days before the cut deadline for for training camp. So Adrian Peterson is out right. So that left um, Peyton Barber, Antonio Gibson. JD McKissick and Bryce Love. However, Bryce Love has not to this, you know, wasn't fully recovered from his torn ACL that he suffered 2 years ago. So he was on and off injured reserve. So it's unfortunate that we never got to see him in action. I really want to see him in action to see if he's actually good. Um hopefully next year he makes the squad. We'll have to wait and see because he was a previous regime pick. Not this year. Not not from this regime. So, will he make the squad next year? We're gonna to have to wait and see. Now, J.D. McKissick, Antonio Gibson, and Peyton Barber, the three running backs that you know came into to the season and played throughout the year. Let's break. Let Let's do Antonio Gibson first. He's the rookie, and what a find! What he was, what a find! I don't know if he was a a, a Kyle Smith pick or a a um, Ron Rivera pick. But here's the thing. When, you know, it's the third round of the draft, right? 2020 draft. And everyone was begging for a wide receiver, tight end. And the next thing you know, I hear Antonio Gibson running back. And I was like, who the heck? I didn't, I didn't even hear. I was looking at different wide receivers who I've heard of. And when I heard Antonio Gibson running back, I was like, who the heck is that? And why do we need a running back? Why? Why did Ron Rivera go with a pick like that? But then, so then I decided to look up his highlights, and the way that it looked, he's he was actually a wide receiver turned running back. He was like a a Christian McCaffrey type um player. So he, you know, um. So I was like, okay, I'm fine with that. And he showed, fly, you know, um, unfortunately, because of the offensive line play, because of the play calling, like I said, he wasn't able to break out in many games. It took him a while to break out. I think it was, can't remember what game it was. I think it was the Browns. Browns. It was one of the, the later games where he broke out, but he finished the season with 11 touchdowns. 600 and something yards rushing um he'd unfortunately suffered turf toe during the Steelers game um so he was limited and out for two or three games but um you know all around very solid um performance by him like I said imagine if we Washington would have had him the final two or three games um that running game would be would have been deadly um but you know, all around, really solid performance. His his breakout breakout game was the the Dallas uh, Thanksgiving game where he um ran for 115 yards, had three touchdowns. So like that for me was was a breakout game. So um, next running back that I want to talk about is J D. McKissick, and he was more actually he was actually used more uh, at the passing game and unfortunately like i said because of the bad play calling in certain games we didn't use antonio gibson and jd mckissick in the past game as much as we wanted but when washington was winning games they used jd mckissick a lot they used him a lot so i actually like the the guy and he's on a cheap deal so he's still, he's going to stick around for another year, I'm excited to see how Washington incorporates him even more, like I said, he used, um, they used him more as a passing back than a running back, even though he did have good runs, but he was more used, he was able to get seven or eight yards off the pass, so that's something I actually liked to see from Jaden McKissick, and then Peyton Barber, he was our younger, you know, power back, you know he was our our Adrian Peterson this year, like said, he he really impressed in Tampa Bay. Only have it, like he had 400 500 yards every year, but we actually expected Adrian Peterson to take that sack because he was a hundred yard rush, a thousand yard rusher for Washington when he came in off of an emergency, and then last year he almost had a thousand yards if he wasn't benched. For, and a healthy scratch for that game I think he would have had a thousand yards but like I said Ron Rivera wanted to go for for younger guys, so Peyton Barber um got the nod had three big touchdowns in the Philadelphia game wasn't used as much throughout the year but he proved to be the third down like if we were on third and one third and inches he would be the guy most likely and he was used well so I think You know, if we give him more snaps, like I said, keep on saying in my, like I kept on saying in my pregame analysis and my breakdowns, we need to feed our running backs because they will, this team is built for running backs. The way that Ron Rivera and this team ran and won games, it was running the football and nasty defense. So um, Peyton Barber, you know, had a a key, key touchdowns on the Eagles game, had key touchdowns a key touchdown. Let me see. When was it? I think was it the 49ers game or was it the Seahawks game? Please remind me. I I know he had a key touchdown in one of the other games without Washington. One. So, um, yeah, guys, that is this is my running back um breakdown. All around the running back crew, I think is the aside from the defensive line, which I'm gonna get to, was our best um core. the season and I'm gonna give the running back crew I want to use them more the coaching and play calling needs to use them more so I'm gonna give them a B plus let me know if you guys agree with that grade let me know in the comments down below anyways next up is I'm gonna be talking about the wide receivers and the tight ends So most of you are wondering, if you guys listened to the last segment, why did he say wide receivers and tight ends in in the same video? Well, here's the thing. Unfortunately, the Washington football team's tight end group was so thin that only Logan Thomas showed up. Other than that, no tight end made an impact. So I'm going to actually include Logan Thomas in the wide receiving crew just because, like I said... The tight ends, other than Logan Thomas, really didn't do much of anything. So, let's dissect the wide receiving group. And this is going to be hard to dissect because here's the thing. Other than Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas, which I'm going to get to in a few minutes. I want to talk about the, the rest of the wide receiving core first. Other than Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver 2 and 3 were, was just a revolving door. Of run of wide receivers. First, you had Dontrell Inman as the number two guy. Then you had Steven Sim as the number two guy. Then you had Cam Sims. A G G was injured. Man, like just so many. Washington did did not have an established number two and a number three guy. And this is something that I'm going to be talking about in more in depth in later videos and segments. That Washington needs to find an established number two guy, either via the draft, or the, um, or free agency. And of course, I'm going to be talking about in free other videos and segments about who are the list of free agents, who I would like to see in a. In a Washington jersey. In a... Give me one second, folks. Oh, it's still going. Um, Sorry, folks, I was getting a phone call. That's why I lost my train of thought. Um... So that's what I want. I'm going to be talking about the free agents and maybe even um, rookie wide receivers that could be an established number two. Heck, maybe in, if Antonio Gandy Golden, and here's the thing Calvin Harmon is a, is a forgotten name. Calvin Harmon, who balled out in the 2019, in the, in the bottom half of that horrible 3 and 13 season, balled out, had, well, I think it was like 400, 400 and something yards receiving and a few touchdowns. So he you know went down with an uh, either a with a torn ACL or something. So he was out of the season. So if we can get him back, maybe he can be our number 3 because like I said in my you know um disappointment uh my five um studs and duds video, Steve Sims was a major disappointment and Cam Sims was a surprise. So maybe have not have Cam Sins as a number four, not a number two, not a number three, a number four guy. Um Find a number two either in the draft or free agency and have Kelvin Harmon or Kelvin Harmon in at, at the number three slot. So that, that's my number one takeaway that the number two and number three positions at the wide receiver was just... Such a revolving door. Dontrell Inman really didn't do anything noteworthy. He had just a few... Tu- you know, had one or two touchdowns, but got injured. Dropped passes. Um, Steven Sims, injured, but when he was active, dropped key passes. Um, Unfortunately, I can't give out a grade to Antonio Gandy-Golden because he was off injured. Heck, maybe he could be our number two or number three guy next year. If Ron Rivera can give him a chance. Unfortunately, also... Preseason wasn't a thing in 2020. Um, that's where a lot of players, you know, show them their show them their stripes, um, or earn their stripes in preseason. But unfortunately, they had a reduced training camp, no rookie minicamp. So we're gonna have to wait and see what 2021 holds for Antonio Gandyguala. I personally would like to see him and Calvin Harmon get a fair chance at being the future wide receivers if Washington doesn't get um free agents or decide to be wise with their draft picks but we're going to have to wait and see about that now about and um Terry McLaurin and um Logan Thomas and those are the two guys that balled out for Washington and Logan Thomas especially because everyone wrote off Logan Thomas as a guy who is not ready for the tight end position he was a quarterback converted to a tight end you know played for Detroit Played okay for Detroit, and when Washington signed Logan Thomas, I was like, "What? Why? Like, why? Why couldn't we go after an established tight end?" But you know, why we why couldn't we you know sign a Hunter Henry? A, you know, trade for David and Joe Like that was just ridiculous at the at the time. But Logan Thomas for this year silenced the critics. He had 70 plus catches, um, a few big touchdowns, um, had an incredible touchdown in the Eagles game. Uh, I think it was like a one-handed catch. So in all honesty, you know, he, along with Terry McLaurin, who I'm going to break it down next, you know, he silenced the critics and he deserves a a spot here on Washington for, for years to come. Maybe, like I said, unfortunately, because not uh, the, the other tight ends really didn't do anything of note, I included Logan Thomas in the wide receiver um clip or segment. So if Washington can again in the draft, I don't know if tight end, you know, or if there are any good tight ends coming out of free agency, I would have to take a look again. Well the last time I looked there weren't any tight ends that kinda caught my attention, but Washington needs to find needs to draft a tight end because um like I said, having a revolving door at the tight end position when Logan Thomas, you know, got hurt, we were stuck with Jeremy Sprinkle who dropped passes, Marcus Baugh, who was an undrafted free agent who also got hurt, and then after that I don't even know who the rest of the tight ends were. So, you know, that is something that Washington needs to establish. Having A a number two tight end, just in case Logan Thomas goes down. Now, Terry McLaurin. Last year, Terry McLaurin proved that he is the number one guy. He's the number one wide receiver. Last year, in his rookie year, had nearly a thousand yards pass. Uh, sorry, receiving, but got hurt in the final two games, so he wasn't able to play. And nearly no one, no one could could beat Terry McLaurin in coverage. He would somehow, somewhat make incredible catches. Unfortunately, he was not voted to the Pro Bowl, which I think was just a snub, in my opinion. But I think the the Steelers game and and games after that really hurt him because he really didn't make 100... You know, he didn't have 100-yard games after that, but he had a 1,000-yard season. So because of that, you know, he show that he's Washington's number one receiver. Like I said, if Washington could get him some help in the off season, so that way he is not double-team, double, double team, triple-team, double-covered, and all that good stuff, then Washington would have a legitimate passing game. So, um, all around, I'm going to give Washington's wide receiving core a C+. Plus, just because the tight end group other than Logan Thomas, of course, and the wide receiver core, aside from um, Terry McLaurin, was a revolving door. If Washington can find an established number two and a number three guy, then I would have ranked them higher. But I'm going to give them a C plus, a C to a C plus, um, because they need to find more weapons for the quarterback of the future. So, um, let me know what you guys think regarding that grade for the wide receivers next up offensive line so the offensive line this is going to be harder to break down just because there was a lot of shifting this year due to um bad play uh injuries and you know so on and so forth so um let's i'm going to try to break it down as best i can so let's get into this so at left tackle beginning of the year we had Jeron Christian uh senior left guard was West Martin center was Chase Rullier right guard Brandon Sheriff right tackle um Morgan Moses Now, the main concern for this year was that left side because that left side really didn't have established guys in the offseason. You know, Trent Williams um, went out, uh, you know, wanted a trade out of D.C. uh, because he had issues with the previous regime, I guess. He also wanted Dan Snyder, the owner, out because even when he was talking to Ron Rivera, he didn't want anything to do with Washington. So... You know, we were stuck with guys who were either, you know, were still raw at the position like Jeron Christian, who really was a turntable, really couldn't, you know, protect for all it was worth. He was bad at that position. So we had to, you know, change a lot of things. And the big change was putting uh, Cornelius Lucas there at left tackle. And then of course West Martin, because he's also he was also a young guy, um, he wasn't you know prepared and wasn't ready. Like I said, no preseason for this year, so they couldn't take a look at what was right, you know, for for the team. So they they put uh, West Martin in there, but he also became a bad choice. So what do they do? They put in West Schweitzer, and that made our offensive line. When they made those two changes um it made a huge difference now unfortunately our fourth round draft pick that we ended up picking up from the 49ers that we ended up using on um on uh what's this guy's name um uh sadiq charles there we go um sadiq charles went down with an injury so i really can't grade him either um, because he only played, a, you know, one or two games, and then you know, because he was he was on and off the injury list. So, unfortunately, I can't grade him. But hopefully, next year we get to see him at either left guard or left tackle. He was playing good enough in the left guard position. Will he? Can he play good at the left tackle position? We're gonna have to wait and see. Or maybe we just keep him at left guard. Um, but after you know that injury to um Sadiq Charles the offensive line had to go through a lot of changes like I said they decided to put Cornelius Lucas and Wes Schweitzer in at those at the left side and when they did that our offensive line went from bad to okay not great not you know not not good not great but okay you know good enough for the for for running good enough for protection Unfortunately, Washington did not or does not have a mobile quarterback. Um, so a lot of the sacks was either Dwayne Haskins holding on to the ball too long, Alex Smith holding on to the ball too long, you know. So, you know, the 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 offensive line did the best that they could. You know, it was solid for what Washington needed it to be. And, you know, I'm just I'm gonna give the offensive line a D-plus to a C because of the turntables that was Wes Martin and, um, uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, Jerron Christian, Sr. So, unfortunately, because of those two players, the offensive line, I'm gonna just give them a D-plus to a C because as the season progressed and as soon as Washington found their their guys in Wes Martin, not Wes Martin, Wes Schweitzer and, um, cornelius lucas they were able to establish themselves now washington would need to find either a legit left tackle because here's the thing and this is why why i give him a c it's because that right side actually made all the difference you know morgan moses was known for getting penalties off of holding it was holding 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 throughout his career with no fans in the stands, the holding penalties for Morgan Moses and him freezing up did not happen this year. So that right side with with uh, Brandon Sheriff, who is a free agent because he was playing under the franchise tag, and um, Morgan Moses and even the center Chase Rullier, um played very well. That left side is what's concerning, something that needs to be draft uh, corrected. Or addressed during the off season, either via again, like I said, draft or off or uh, free agency. Which I like. I said I'm going to be going over free agents for um the offensive line. So next up, guys, um, I'm gonna leave off the season and review videos here. If you guys want to know more, tune in next week to talk more about season and review. It's going to be all about the defense next week, okay? Next up, I'm going to be breaking down Dwayne Haskins' new destination and the general manager hiring. So those are two things that are coming up next. So I hope you guys enjoyed or are enjoying my season and review videos um, or segments if you prefer. Um, like I said, because there's a lot of season review coming, I'm going to go ahead and I stop it at the offensive, at the offensive side of the football here, but excuse me, excuse me. Um, I'm going to be focusing more on the defense in next week's episode, but let me know what you guys want to see more of, um, heading into the off season. Like I said, um, there's a lot of Washington football team news that's gonna be coming out. Um, like for instance, Dwayne Haskins finding a new new home and Washington finally um, naming a general manager and also have so Marty Herney and M- Martin Mayhew are part of the Washington football team organization, but more on those guys in the late in, in the next segment. But I want to talk about uh, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins finds a new home, and it's in Pittsburgh. And here's my initial reaction. Why? Um, look, I'm happy for Dwayne Haskins for one reason, one reason only. He found a new place. You know, he won't be jobless. He won't be going to the XFL. He gets another shot in the NFL. But why did he have to go to Pittsburgh? You see, Because here's the thing. He's not going to learn his lesson in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is not a place to be disciplined. Okay? Um, Steelers head coach is not a disciplinarian. He isn't. He isn't. At all. Um, In fact, he doesn't, you know... He lets a lot of things get out of hand. He let the Le'Veon Bell sitting out get out of hand. He let the Antonio Brown situation get out of hand. He let he's he's allowing Juju Smith Schuster to be dancing around and like and like being immature on the sidelines. It's it's getting out of hand, like Um Mike Tomlin is not a disciplinarian. So my thing is when Dwayne Haskins goes to Pittsburgh How is he going to address Dwayne Haskins' immaturity going to strip clubs? Dwayne Haskins, I would have said, I said initially, he probably should have gone to New England. Because Bill Belichick, he's not going to party under Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick will set him straight. If Dwayne Haskins comes in late to a meeting, Bill Belichick will be like, get out of here. Leave. You're You're not welcome here. Or you know he would send him home. He was like, "You're not taking part of any practices." What is Mike Tomlin gonna do? Don't get me wrong. Dwayne Haskins can can learn under if if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't retire after this year. Um, he can learn under Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, a two-time Super Bowl champ. But other than that, that the immaturity is not gonna leave him. Especially with the way that Mike Tomlin deal ha- handles Steelers business, you know that is not a good environment at all for Dwayne Haskins. Just because, like I said, Mike Tomlin isn't the guy to discipline guys. He doesn't. He didn't discipline Juju Smith-Schuster. In fact, when Juju Smith-Schuster, the, the media asked Juju Smith-Schuster, "Are you gonna stop dancing now that you're losing?" He said, "No, I'm not gonna stop dancing because." I don't care. So that that right there is just Mike Tomlin said, I'm going to talk to Juju Juju Smith-Schuster. And he would call out Juju Smith-Schuster. If this was Bill Belichick, he would have called out Juju Smith-Schuster. He would have called him out for his immaturity. But no, he doesn't. He didn't. So my thing is, will Dwayne Haskins get called out if he does something stupid, like go to a strip club, throw a lot of interceptions, this is, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe the change of senior, because he has family here in D.C. and friends in D.C., maybe that that's why it didn't work out. I'm happy, look, I'm happy that he got a new, another chance. But I don't think Pittsburgh, with the way that that organization is so, with the way that Mike Tallman is, not disciplining, not disciplining guys. Losing the locker room on certain occasions, it's not the best environment. So I have to. We're gonna have to wait and see. Do you guys like Dwayne Hastings going to Pittsburgh? Let me know in the comments down below. All right, for so for the final Washington football team video, guys, it's finally here. Talking about the general manager position. So Washington, the Washington football team has been able to find a general manager and uh, they filled another position. Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew are two new additions to the front office for the Washington football team. Um, of course, Marty Herney, you may have heard of him. He was the, um, I was about to call him the, the Washington Panthers, but no, the Carolina Panthers um, general manager. He had two stints with the Panthers, one from 2002 to 2012, and then he came back in late 2017 to 2020, but here's the thing. Marty Herney is not the general manager of the Washington football team. He is not. He is the executive vice president of football slash player personnel, so he brings along 28 years of experience, okay? Um, in fact, here are some of the picks that he made as general manager for the Panthers. He brought in Julius Peppers, brought in um, D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, um, Cam Newton, um, Luke Kuechly. So those are the guys that he brought in you know, in his tenure and in, 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 in those tenures combined. So here's the thing though he only is good with his first round picks. only the first round picks are good okay um point proven Luke Keekly and um Luke Keekley and cam Newton. he also um was responsible for bringing in guys like um. What's this guy's name? Uh, He's a tight end for the Seahawks now. Um, Have him right on the tip of my tongue. My goodness. I hate when that happens to me on on the podcast. Uh, Crap. Uh, Man, he plays for the Seahawks now, too. He was a free agent. Oh, Greg Olson. There you go. Greg Olson. Um, He was responsible for bringing him to Carolina... Brought other free agents as well. But most notably, I'm going to be talking about what he could do for the draft. Now, he can find hidden gems from the first first and second round picks. Because here's the thing. Washington with their second round picks aren't good. If Marty Herney is in charge of that second round. Let me rephrase that. If Marty Herney. Um, Ron Rivera. And Martin Mayhew, who I'm gonna talk about, he's gonna have his own separate segment. Um, If those three can combine and put up and have good three their first three, maybe first two, first or second round picks. If they can come together and find hitting gems for the first round and second round, I'll be okay with that. However, there is a guy now. I don't know if he's gonna be gone. You know, because of the Martin Mayhew and because of because of the Marty Herney pickups for the front office, Kyle Smith, who last year he was also an executive of the front office, finds hidden gems from the third all the way to the seventh round. Um, Kyle Smith is responsible for getting someone like a Cameron Curl, someone who was responsible for the Terry McLaurin. Some who was responsible for who else did he bring in, um, and uh, Antonio Gandy, Golden, I think. You so you see those are hidden gems, that Kyle Smith as an executive was able to bring in. So hopefully Washington doesn't give doesn't let him go, because Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew, and and um, Ron Rivera are good with their first to maybe even third round picks even though uh, Marty Herney was not responsible for Christian McCaffrey, maybe first and second rounds, okay? But after that, Washington needs to build within the... That's how Washington has been, was able to build a lot of their foundation this past year was because of their late-round picks. Their late-round picks actually made a difference this year. Cameron Curl, um, Cole Holcomb, who was a, uh, a steal back in 2019, Tim Settle, another steal, so, do not let go of Kyle Smith, because, like I said, Marty Herney and Ron Rivera, when they're together, and we're going to get into Martin Mayhew as well, um, and we're going to talk about what he brings to the table with draft and free agency, because um, he worked with John Lynch in in San Francisco. Um like if ron rivera and uh, marty herney do not do well with their later on picks so hopefully kyle smith stays in the washington front office we're gonna have to wait and see anyways next up is martin mayhew and this will be my final uh washington clip or video uh for this episode So when Marty Herney got fired from the Panthers, uh, a lot of fans and, and, and YouTubers were saying, well, Marty Herney is coming to Washington. Marty Herney is going to be Washington's new GM. Let's start calling them the Washington Panthers. Nope. Marty Herney, as I stated in my previous video or previous segment, is not the GM. In fact, I titled it, I titled that segment that. Marty Herney is not the GM for Washington. The guy who is going to be the general manager for Washington is Martin Mayhew. And he is significant with the Detroit Lions. Um, Yes, he came in at the tail end of that horrible 0-16 year back in 2008. But let's take a look at the draft picks that he... Ended up getting. He got Ma- Matthew Stafford. He brought in Golden Tate. He brought in Nate Burleson. He brought in a lot of players, free agency and free agency and in draft. So this is where the rumor will will start. And as I said, I'm gonna break down a lot of. Um, uh, I'm gonna break down. A lot of quarterback stuff as well, free agency, and here's the thing. That's that's what I'm saying. Matthew Stafford and Martin Mayhew have that connection, so I would not be surprised if Washington would be in the sweepstakes of getting or trading for um, Matthew Stafford because Martin Mayhew is here in D.C. So, like I said, like this is gonna be this is gonna be an interesting offseason. Because Washington, a lot of players, a lot of not players, a lot of fans are saying it's gonna be Matthew Stafford to DC. A lot of and others are saying that maybe it could be Deshaun Watson. Look, I'm gonna be honest, and I'm gonna talk more about this later, in in later future segments and videos. I don't think Deshaun Watson is coming here. I'll go for for the fun of it. I'll talk about, you know, what maybe Washington needs to do to make that happen. I just don't see it happening. I think maybe Matthew Stafford is going to be the quarterback for the... is going to be the bridge guy for Washington um, f- moving moving forward. So, Martin Mayhew, as I stated, was with the Lions. He was with the... 49ers the last few years w he was with John Lynch and uh, Kyle Shanahan and boy will that oh uh, I feel like that's gonna that's gonna leave a mark for uh, Kyle Shanahan having someone leave his staff to join his former club that's gonna be interesting but um he was you know as an executive back in, in, in San Fran Um, brought in a lot of, you know, draft guys. He was responsible for, um, well, wasn't responsible for, but he, Nick Bosa, um, I think he was there when, um, they tried to make the trade for Jimmy G, if I wasn't mistaken, as well. So, as an assistant, um, to John Lynch, he was successful as well. Now, um... Well, we're, we're going to have to wait and see what he does for Washington. Um, I don't know if... He, I know that he's going to work on... Ron, okay, Ron Rivera, let's get this straight, okay? This isn't the previous regime where the coaches were technically supposed to be yes-men to Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder. It's not going to run this way. It's going to be... Um... Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney are gonna be working under Ron Rivera. It's gonna still be a coach-centered front office. So we're gonna have to see what Martin Mayhew will have to will do concerning um what he what say he will bring. Like I stated in my previous video, I hope that, you know, because here's the thing Martin Mayhew is also in the same line of um, not bringing in good draft capital after the second round as well, I think Golden Tate was a second round pick or something like that. I would have to double check that, but you know that's the only thing that they gotta keep Kyle Smith in as wa- as a Washington executive because uh Kyle Smith is a little bit better at finding talent in those later rounds. Martin Mayhew marty herney and um ron rivera can focus on the first and second rounds and maybe because because we washington has a has a two third round picks maybe give him one of the third round picks okay maybe give him one of the third round picks but leave the rest of the picks to kyle smith hopefully if he's here we're gonna have to wait and see what happens so Alrighty guys, that is enough for me for Washington Talk. Um, A lot of, not a lot, just a few segments and videos on Real Madrid. I'm going to go off on Zinedine Zidane. So if you don't want to listen to that, then this will do it for Washington Talk. But for those that are sticking around for Soccer Talk and Real Madrid Talk, that is up next. Um, I'm going to be previewing Real Madrid's this weekend's matchup with um, a la vez their second match of the season so that is what's coming up next guys so i'm gonna kick off uh real madrid talk uh like i said it's just gonna be a few clips it's not gonna be as many as i did last week guys um but um i'm gonna kick off real madrid talk talking about their next uh, la liga matchup with deportivo Alaves. i do want to apologize though for not doing a lot of real madrid content the last few weeks I know that I missed a few key matchups, like the Super Cup uh, semi final and the Copa del Rey. is that I really didn't have; um, they didn't put it on TV, or my TV provider didn't broadcast those games um, anywhere. And I was trying to look up different, you know, places where I could watch it. It's just that um, those actually, the other platforms where they did um, air it cost a lot of money and I wasn't gonna you know subscribe to something just for a one time only thing so um I apologize for not keeping up with Real Madrid however I do keep track with the post-game analysis of a lot of of the ESPN FC crew um the match um review on um Infinite Madrid so I'm gonna go off on Zinedine Zidane and the team in later videos, but I'm gonna break down Real Madrid's Deportivo Alaves uh, second matchup for this for tomorrow that's gonna take place at 3 p.m. Eastern, nine pm CET. So um so Sergio Ramos has yet to recover from that discomfort that he felt in the warm-ups uh in his knee during warm-ups of the Super Cup game. Um Nacho Fernandez came in close contact with someone who has COVID-19, so he is self-isolating. So that is a huge blow there. Not only does Sergio Ramos is out, but his backup, Nacho Fernandez, is out. So um, Fede Valverde is suffering from a muscle injury and won't be able to play either. Um, Dani Carvajal will also sit out. He's still out with injury. That is another blow. So you mean to tell me that Dani Carvajal, Nacho Fernandez and, and Sergio Ramos key pieces on that on that back side are, are out? Oh boy. Um Martin Odegaard who will leave on loan. He Martin Odegaard is going to Arsenal. And I'll break down a lot of what Zinedine Zidane has done in in the next in the next segment. But um sorry if I got a little patch in there. And then of course Rodrigo is still out with um, injury. He's a long-term absentee with, with an injury. So youth team players Victor Chust and Antonio Blanco make the squad again. So here is the full squad for Real Madrid. Here are the active guys. Thibaut Courtois, Andre Lunin, Diego Altub, Defenders, Eder Militao, Rafael Varane, Marcelo, Rodrigo Zola, Ferlin Mendy, Victor Chust. Midfielders, Tony Kroos, Luca Modric, Casemiro, Isco, Antonio Blanco. Forwards, Eden Hazard, Karim Benzema, Marco Asensio, Lucas Vazquez, Vinicius Jr., and Mariano. All right, so here are my lineup predictions. Hopefully, I get this right. Um, let's put Eder Militao, Rafael Varan. Uh, Arvalo, Odrio Zola and Ferland Mendy in that backside. I could have it wrong, but we'll have to wait and see. I would not put Marcelo in cuz he's a corpse. I'm sorry. I would not put Marcelo in the game. My my go-to guys would be Eder Militão Rafael Varane, Árbolo Odriozola, and Ferland Mendy. Midfielders, uh, Toni Kroos, Luka Modric, and Casemiro. Do I have to say anything uh, about that? Especially with Martin Odegaard not being there and and Ferland Mendy, not Ferland Mendy, uh, Fede Valverde not being there. That's predictable. And then, Karim Benzema, uh, Marco Asensio, and Lucas Vasquez to start. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard has been absolute garbage. He was garbage in the Super Cup. Last week, he did next to nothing. He looked lost. Eden Hazard needs to go, and I'll break down what I, what Real Madrid should do with a lot a lot of a lot more players as well. But I would not put Eden Hazard anymore. I know he's a Zidane guy, but Zidane may not be here any longer. And like I said, I'll I'll keep on breaking down um, Zidane's future as well in, in future segments. But that would be my starting lineup. Just because Real Madrid is just... We're back... All right, guys. We're, we're, it's, it's October and November all over again. The injury bug. The injury bug and, of course, um, Zinedine Zidane getting rid of players. Gotta be kidding me. So I think Real Madrid, with the way that they're struggling... I feel like January is gonna be another month where Real Madrid doesn't pick up victories in La Liga. They 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 tied twice. They lost in the Copa del Rey and they lost in the Super Cup. I wouldn't and and here's the thing. Um, Deportivo Alavés beat Real Madrid. In um in the in November, they beat them in November. So. I think Deportivo Alves is going to beat Real Madrid again 1-0. That is my score prediction. That is my lineup prediction. This team is sorry. It's a sorry team. It's a pathetic team. Like I said, I'm going to be talking more about Zinedine Zidane and players that want to leave and who, again, has been disappointing throughout the season. That is in the next segment, guys. But anyways, that is my lineup prediction to summarize Eder Militao, Rafael Varan, um Alvaro Odriozola, Odrio Zola and um Mendy would get the nod for, for me. Um and in the back th- in the back side, midfielders, Tony Cross, Casemiro and um uh, Modric Casemiro and Toni Kroos get the nod there, and then forwards, Karim Benzema, uh, Karim Benzema, Marco Asensio and Lucas Vasquez. So, um, let me know if you guys agree with my lineup. Let me know if you guys agree with my prediction for Real Madrid. Real Madrid is going to lose this game one to zero, heartbreaking. I just want reports are saying that Zidane is going to stay until the end of the season. I just want the, I just want, Real Madrid needs a new coach. And like I said, I'm going to break down what coach could be in the line, in, in the line if Zinanin Zidane doesn't get any silverware. So that is in the next segment, guys. All right? Keep it real. So Real Madrid is back to their losing in poor performance ways. Man. I feel bad. Madrid fans should feel bad. All these players, the players should feel bad. Man, Zinedine Zidane needs to feel bad. Florentino Perez needs to feel bad. Because this team is so inconsistent. In fact, here's the thing. Real Madrid, if it wasn't for Barcelona choking... Last year. If it wasn't for them, I don't know what Barcelona was doing last year. If they would have. I guarantee you. That Barcelona lose. Um, if they didn't sack. Um, Ernesto Valverde. I think his, his name was. Um, last year. And putting Kikistian. I guarantee you, Barcelona would have at least had a fighting chance. In La liga, because here's the thing before pandemic uh, before the pandemic hit worldwide, okay, Real Madrid lost a game and Barcelona won, and they were actually in first place. but then Barcelona they come off of break a, a three month, three month hiatus due to uh, you know the pandemic, they come back in June, and Real Madrid goes undefeated, doesn't lose a match um, in La liga at all and wins la liga. Barcelona on the other hand loses, draws, everything. They win here, they win they lose here, they tie here, you know. Now that it's Real Madrid's time for this time. They're lo- they're winning here, they're tying here, they're losing here. Like this is And this is all Zidane's fault because he's getting rid of players who are good and not giving them opportunities. He's giving the players that he knows. Look, he was rotating you know, and I got on him for rotating, rotating, rotating. But at the end of the day, I actually never realized how the rotations actually came to help Madrid because at least they were able to do something offensively. Now that finally Real Madrid, you know, gets hit with the injury bug in in oct in October. Um, they're stuck with the same players. And they're stuck with the 4-3-3 formation. So once once that 4-3-3 formation actually gets something going, he decides, I don't need to rotate anymore. I'm going to go with these same 4-3-3 formation players. They're going to give me the same results all the time. Got news for you. Teams have been able to adapt to your styles in Indian Zidane. Hence the reason why you lost games this past week. You've drawn in in the month of January. I wouldn't be surprised if you drew tomorrow or lost tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if you lost next week. In fact, I want Zinedine Zidane out of this manager position so bad that I'm willing to say Real Madrid should just go ahead and not win silverware for the rest of the year. I want a new coach bad. I want a new manager bad. I don't know how the fans feel about it, but I want Zanin Zidane out because I'm just frustrated with the inconsistency that he's... And he's playing with... And he's telling the media, oh, we played okay. We played to our best of our abilities. We're just not able to capitalize. I wonder why, why it is. I wonder why it is. You get rid of... You make your squad weaker. there's another thing. What did you do? I understand Luka Jovic hasn't, um, hasn't played to expectations. Which I guess I'm going to make a separate segment on how Luka Jovic did for Real Madrid in the two years that he was here. And contrary to what he is doing now that, to, now that he's back with Frankfurt in Germany. I understand. But you're making your squad look thin. You got rid of Luka Jovic. Who else did you get rid of? You got rid of Martin Odegaard, who is on his way out on loan. He hasn't left yet, but he's on his way out on loan. When your midfield is getting, you know, is back to injuries. Feder Valverde, if he hasn't checked out my match preview, is out again. So now you think it's good time. Just because you need revenue, it's time for you to get rid of your younger and good players no you need to stick with your squad get rid of them at the end of the summer if you want but don't you don't be don't be getting rid of players in the winter transfer window and also you know um not bringing in players that you might need in the transfer window because that'll make your squad weak look Federer this out. Who do you have after that? Younger, younger guy like the 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 B squad. Nah, nah. Eiskov, who hasn't been himself in the last few years. Zidane's a joke. He's a joke this year. I, uh, with all due respect, I understand that he won. Real Madrid, three Champions League as as a manager, and he was able to win the La Liga twice. But the losses that this year, the the things that he has had to face, the draws, the losses, they're all coming in an embarrassing fashion because Real Madrid can't capitalize on opportunities. So, this is my Zidane rant, guys. I'm just going to go, I'm going to sit here and, and, and trash Zidane for the way that he has handled Madrid the last month. Because Luka Jovic, like I said, is out on is out on low. Martin Odegaard is on his way out. And Real Madrid, I don't think that players are gonna want to want if Zidane is here in this in the for another because his contract expires in 2020 at the end of 2022. So I don't even know if he's gonna be here. If Real Madrid doesn't find a way to improve these last in the in the remainder of La Liga and in the Champions League, which are the only two trophies that they have left, because if you didn't know, they lost the Super Cup, lost lost the trophy there, uh, chance of a trophy, and they lost in the Copa del Rey to a third to a C squad team, is what I'm gonna call it, a C squad. Not it, not, not the, not the B squad, not a second division team. And the here's the thing: second division teams. If you're in the top six in the second division, you have a chance of coming back to the first division. They didn't even lose to them. They lost to third, the C squad teams. That is embarrassing. If he keeps on doing that. I don't see an Eduardo Camavinga coming here. I don't see a killing Mbappe coming here. I don't see an Erling Haaland coming here. I don't see who's the guy that 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 is supposedly rumors are flying that he signed, and there's other rumors that said that um, David Alaba. I don't even see him coming here with the way that Zidane is managing the team and his excuses of not playing them. Ridiculous! That is. I'm probably, you know what? I'm probably gonna become a meme because I'm ranting. Jason, if you're listening to this, you're free to use this video. You know, losing my, losing my mind and trashing my, Z- because I am, I am definitely losing. I think I'm just gonna end the clip here because I am definitely losing my mind over. It. I want to trash more Xenon, but I could do that all day, and I know that you guys don't have all day. I need there's other topics that I like to discuss, so um, that will do it for my Zidane rant. So Martin Odegaard last week, I think I said, I think it would have been best for him to stay here. And boy, I was wrong because it sucks that, you know, Zidane doesn't believe in younger talent. It really does because um, Martin Odegaard is a good player. Luka Jovic, when given the minutes, is a good player. Um, But because they're not, I guess... Zidane's favorite... I don't know what happened with Zidane because he vouched for Luka Jovic because Real Madrid was struggling with goals. He got Luka Jovic. Um, Martin Odegaard. Because Real Madrid struggled with goals last year, he ended up getting Martin Odegaard back from loan because he was on loan before. But now he's on loan again. Luka Jovic and Martin Odegaard and um, Take, Gubel are all out on loan and they're balling in the new places, which again, pisses me off, Um, so Martin Odegaard, who, if he would have stayed, or if Zidane actually had him stay, most likely would have been in the pecking order to come back and be in that midfield um, for tomorrow's game, but he is on his way to Arsenal, but... Like uh, he's coming back after six months, so there's no buy buyback. Uh, there is the there is a you no know, buy clause at the end of the summer. Um. So that's that. Luka Jovic probably is coming back to Madrid, but to be honest, I think that he should just stay at you know get find a new home as well. Um, Odrio Zola um, is staying. Thank God for him because here's the thing: if Real Madrid. Sergio Ramos and um, Nacho Fernandez, since they're unavailable this week and most likely in the next coming weeks, are out for this game. Um, are out for this game as known because Sergio Ramos suffered an uncomfortable injury, a knee injury during warm-ups. And of course, um, Nacho has uh, COVID, You know, was in close contact for COVID-19. Fun fact, and I think... Uh, I should have left my previous segment on a positive note. Zinedine Zidane, the bum manager, tested positive for COVID-19. He is out. He will not be on the side on the bench coaching. So take it if you will. But I take that as a positive sign, at least for this week. (laughs) I guess I should have left that 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 segment on a positive note, but I just thought of it now. Actually, thinking of it now, um, so but enough about Zidane and Zinan. This is about players who who are just. This is a therapeutic segment because I just feel so bad for those players for Real Madrid. You know, Zidane has ruined them. Zidane has ruined the younger players because he doesn't trust them. And he somewhat has also ruined the older players as well. Cause if he would have stuck. Cause I was look look, I wasn't a fan of the rotation before. But after a while, after analyzing what Real Madrid has done the last few months, especially the month of January. That rotation is looking good right about now. Because now you got players who are kind of like kind of um rusty. Because some of them are coming off of COVID and some of them are coming off the bench and they never had enough minutes. And some of them are even the youth, youth guys, the, the, the B team. So that's hard to see now that now Real Madrid is in this situation where they're getting rid of players that they shouldn't. So Zidane is going to have to answer a lot of questions at the end of the season. And hopefully he's not going to be here. And like I said. This is a therapeutic seg- segment. Um, my sympathy goes out to the players. Who want out of Madrid. I don't blame them. I don't. Odegaard rightfully should should have left. Because he's not getting the playing time here. Um, Oriozola, Zola. That's a different case. Because like I said. Real Madrid kind of needs him. Because players are injured. Uh, Eder Militao. They probably they wanted him for 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 the winter transfer window, but they're not gonna get him. Um, Tottenham Hotspurs wants him, but he isn't. They're they're not gonna get him. Um, I just feel bad for those guys because those guys were were Zidane signings, and they're not getting the time of day. So <sighs> we're gonna have to wait and see. Um next up guys is going to be what Zidane's um manager replacement could be if he doesn't survive uh the season or doesn't survive to next season. Um Florentino Perez said that if anything unless anything unforeseen like Zidane getting, you know, embarrassed in the Champions League um or getting continuing the the embarrassment of La Liga, um, should be staying with Madrid, but there is already a candidate, and no, it's not Pochettino because he is um, now with PS Paris Saint Germain. Um, but um, I'll 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 dissect what that really how Florentino Perez kind of flopped that decision, but in in this next segment, and also to to wrap the. Another final segment is Eden Hazard, because Eden Hazard you have not escaped my wrath just yet. So those are the two final segments, guys, for this podcast episode. So Martin Odegaard, last week, I think I said, I think it would have been best for him to stay here. And boy, I was wrong, because... It sucks that, you know, Zidane doesn't believe in younger talent. It really does, because, um... Marno Odegaard is a good player. Luka Jovic, when given the minutes, is a good player. Um... But, because they're not, I guess, Zidane's favorite... I don't know what happened with Zidane, because he vouched for Luka Jovic, because Real Madrid was struggling with goals. He got Luka Jovic. Um... Martin Odegaard, because Real Madrid struggled with goals last year, he ended up getting Martin Odegaard back from loan, because he was on loan before, but now he's on loan again. Luka Jovic and Martin Odegaard and um, Take Gubel are all out on loan, and they're bawling in the new places, which, again, pisses me off. Um, so Martin Odegaard, who, if he would have stayed, or if Zidane actually had him stay, most likely, would have been in the pecking order to come back and be in that midfield um, for tomorrow's game, but he is on his way to Arsenal. But like uh, he's coming back after six months, so there's no buy buyback. Uh, there is the there is a you no know, buy clause at the end of the summer. Um, so that's that. Luka Jovic probably. Is coming back to Madrid, but to be honest, I think that he should just stay at you know, get find a new home as well. Um, Audrey um, is staying. Thank God for him. Because here's the thing if Real Madrid, Sergio Ramos, and um, Nacho Fernandez, since they're unavailable this week and most likely in the next coming weeks, are out for this game, um. Are out for this game as known because Sahir almost suffered an uncomfortable injury, a knee injury during warm ups. And of course, um, Nacho has uh, COVID, you know, was in close contact for COVID 19. Fun fact, and I think uh, I should have left my previous segment on a positive note Zinedine Zidane, the bum manager, tested positive for COVID 19. He is out. He will not be on the side on the bench coaching, so take it if you will. But I take that as a positive sign at least for this week. <laughs> I guess I should have left that 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 segment on a positive note. But I just thought of it now. Actually, thinking of it now. Um. So, but enough about and This is about players who who are just. This is a therapeutic segment because. I just feel so bad for those players for Real Madrid, you know. Zidane has ruined them. Zidane has ruined the younger players because he doesn't trust them. And he somewhat has also ruined the older players as well. Because if he would have stuck... Because I was look Look, I wasn't a fan of the rotation before. But after a while, after analyzing what Real Madrid has done the last few months... Especially the month of January. That rotation is looking good right about now because now you got players who are kind of like, kind of um, rusty because some of them are coming off of COVID and some of them are coming off the bench and they never had enough minutes. And some of them are even the youth youth guys, the, the, the B team. So that's hard to see now that now Real Madrid is in the situation where they're getting rid of players that they shouldn't. So, Zidane is going to have to answer a lot of questions at the end of the season and hopefully he's not going to be here. And like I said, this is a therapeutic seg- segment. Um, my thimp- sympathy goes out to the players who want out of Madrid. I don't blame them. I don't. Odegaard... Rightfully should should have left Because he's not getting the playing time here Um Odrio Zola That's a different case Because like I said Real Madrid kind of needs him Because he's the Players are injured Uh Eder Militao They probably They wanted him for, for 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 the winter transfer window But they're not going to get him Um Tottenham Hotspurs wants him But he isn't They're, they're not going to get him Um I just feel bad for those guys because those guys were were Zidane signings and they're not getting the time of day. So <sighs> we're going to have to wait and see. Um, next up, guys, is going to be what Zidane's um, manager replacement could be if he doesn't survive uh, the season or doesn't survive to next season. Um, Florentino Perez said that if anything, unless anything unforeseen like Zidane getting you know embarrassed in the Champions League, um, or getting continuing the the embarrassment of La Liga, um, should be staying with Madrid. But there is already a candidate, and no, it's not Pochettino because he is, um, now with PS Paris Saint Germain. Um but um i'll 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 dissect what that really how Florentino Perez kind of flopped that decision but in in this next segment, and also to to wrap the another final segment is Eden Hazard because Eden Hazard who have not escaped my wrath just yet, so those are the two final segments guys for this podcast episode. Eden Hazard, please report yourself to the front office, my office, because there's something I want to tell you. You suck, dude. You are not the same guy that Real Madrid purchased from Chelsea. You are a poor excuse for a striker. You do absolutely nothing. You look lost when you're on the field. You're made of glass because every single time you play, you get hurt. You are the biggest bust for Real Madrid that I've seen since uh, the Brazilian, I think his name was Kaka, back in 2010. He, he was in the same class that Ronaldo came in. Cristiano Ronaldo. Man, you are trash. And here's the thing, I'd like to blame and, and Zidane, it is your fault for bringing him. Because instead of bringing uh, Kylian Mbappe who was available that year, mind you, you decide to go for a a dude that gets hurt all the time. What a joke! You get rid of Gareth Bale, which rightfully so. You know I understand Gareth Bale didn't want to to play for Madrid anymore if Zidane was gonna be there. But, but, um, your striking force. Was going to beat Eden Hazard, Gareth Bale, and Karim Mitzemov. That would have been a dream scenario right there. That would have been. But no. You got hurt. You kept on getting hurt. You keep on getting hurt. And also, oh, by the way, Florentino Perez wants nothing to do with you anymore, by the way. Because he wants you out of Madrid. Because you are a waste of space. You are. Um... Granted, my question is, who is gonna want a washed-up Eden Hazard, who doesn't, who does nothing, next to nothing, in La Liga, next to nothing. That's unfortunate. That is, that's really unfortunate. And in fact, um, now I see that kind of well, more of it. And here's the thing: I thought that Luka Jovic was trash. But at the beginning of the year, when he was given minutes, he actually showed that he was available. Now, Zinedine Zidane, like I said, because of Zinedine Zidane not wanting to play him, you know, he comes off the bench and he looks rusty as as hell. So, I guess that's also on Zidane because Zidane overplayed or overplays Eden Hazard. When Eden Hazard does next to nothing. Now, he has 20 20 games plus to prove me wrong. If he can do something in the Champions League, can do something from here on out for the La Liga, which I, I highly doubt it. But if he can do something to prove me and Madrid fans wrong, he is absolute garbage until further notice. And unfortunately, Florentino Perez sees that he's the, major, he's the biggest flop that he has seen. And unfortunately, Real Madrid can't get rid of him because his salary is huge. He is signed until twenty twenty four. So whoever, someone's got to. We Real Madrid has got to find a way to to get rid of that salary somehow, some way. Especially with pandemic going on, with a lot of budget cuts, that's going to be tough. Who's going to afford Eden Hazard at his current wages? No one. So. I also want to combine in this segment because I forgot to do it and I'm kind of um, losing my voice. That's the reason why I want to get this. Uh, I love you all, but I want to get this podcast over with because I need my voice um, back. I, 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 need, I, I want a break. Um, I want to compare Luka Jovic's performance um, when he came to Madrid. First, when he was at Frank, Frankfurt, I think it was. The first time around his performances at Madrid the last two years, and when he went back on loan back to Frankfurt. So Luka Jovic had 27 goals with Frankfurt in the German league. Imagine that. He was the top, one of the top guys. A lot of other teams wanted his services, but Real Madrid was the front runner. He comes to Madrid his first year, and his injury and his injuries all around. Does nothing for Madrid. Does nothing for Madrid. Um his first year. His second, and you know the injury bug. And I actually went off on Zidane when he put him in for against Manchester City in the in the Champions League. Next, the the next year, Luka Jovic. Um You know, gets the nod from Zidane at the beginning of the year. Um, But unfortunately, because we lived in the year of 2020 where COVID-19 is a thing, um, got hit with COVID-19, you know, and fell down the pecking order. Fell down the pecking order so much that Mariano Diaz is ahead of him in the pecking order of things. So then, he only scores, mind you, Two goals from Real Madrid. In the year and a half that he was here in Madrid, two goals. And Zinedine Zidane actually wanted him. But at the end of the day, Zidane didn't want to play him anymore. That's ridiculous. Because check this out. In, I think it was like, what, 65? In 65 minutes, because he he went, out on, he went out on loan to frankfurt again so he's back in he's back in germany so now he's back there and in 65 minutes he scores as many goals as he did in real madrid in the year and a half so he has scored two goals with frankfurt in four in 65 minutes that to me is ridiculous that to me is why i think zidane should go that is why i think zidane was not is not the smartest manager to ever live he needs help trying to figure this out. We're going to have to wait and see what happens in the summer transfer winter. I know I spent most of this podcast, most of the Real Madrid top, uh, part of the podcast, destroying and dismantling Zidane. But I just don't, he has not shown that he deserves to be here for Real Madrid for to future to come. So I know that this was a Zidane-centered c- uh, podcast over the players, but I just don't like the guy. And, I, and this week proved it, so... Um, anyways, alrighty guys, that should do it for me for this week for the Real Talk Podcast. If you would like to watch the different clips, go over to my YouTube channel, Oscar Jose Montiel. The link will be down there in the description below. If you are on YouTube and you want to watch the full thing, watch me on different, um, podcast platforms. It's Real Talk Podcast with Oscar Montiel. That is the name of the podcast that I selected, so, um... I would greatly appreciate it if you, guys, if you guys like the content. You know, European soccer and Washington football team. Like my videos. Subscribe to my channel if you're new. Share the videos. Turn on post notifications. I will see you guys next time.